Hey guys, Chris here. Quick little preamble to the show. Anshu was out this week, but I do think we replaced him admirably. More on that in just a little bit. The one thing I do want to hit before the show is that we, and by we, I of course mean me, we had some technical issues, and because of that, we're forced into using a different microphone. The audio quality isn't going to be as good as the audio quality you're hearing right now, but I think the show is still a really good one, and I think you're going to enjoy it. So without any further ado, here's the Underdog episode one. 188 with my good pal Adam Koffler from fantasypros.com. Enjoy. We might be on the dog sports, but we came here to win the most legit podcast. That's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news. We underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process. Yes, you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you with the best features, best stories. We diving deep like a Lambo leak. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring. We all point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk path. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and raise the cat because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog and Chris Horwadell, joined by Adam Koffler from Fantasy Pros, but uh, he's a man who I know much deeper than that, a friend for quite a while, I'm thrilled to have him to talk a little basketball today. Adam, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, Chris, happy to be here, ready Absol- to get rocking and rolling. Absolutely, it's crazy to me that you know we've known each other for a very long time, and like the days of just playing basketball at Sutcliffe Park are its a decade ago. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, it, it seems like just yesterday, but really it's, uh, I think it's probably 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, it, it's bizarre how at, at some point in our lives we got old, but I guess that's necessary. And uh, I guess that's what le- allows us to be here today. I'm, I'm really excited about this. The playoffs have been a lot of fun so far, maybe more so the the first games in each playoff series than the second, but playoffs have been a lot of fun what's been your takeaway so far from the return of the nba man it's, it's been a it's been a wild roller coaster ride thus far i mean the the bubble has given us uh, so much to uh, so much hope surrounding sports and it's it's really seemed to work uh, thus far with with no positive covid cases since the start of the, the bubble yeah um, we've seen some great some great play from from our superstars um, I mean, the, the performances that Damian Lillard has put on and uh, Devin Booker, although Phoenix couldn't be a part of the playoffs, and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a comeback story like Yusuf Nurkic and how he's, you know, kind of performed and also pulled through with the death of his grandma from COVID. I mean, we've got we've got lots of good, you know, good players putting on really, really good performances in the bubble, and it's been really fun so far. Yeah, I feel for Phoenix. I found myself openly rooting for Phoenix to move up in the draft lottery last night because it seemed like they kind of got screwed. You go 8-0, and you don't make the playoffs. I'm with you. Eight, yeah, 8-0, like, there's, there's got to be a way that the NBA can sneak you in there. But, you know, what Portland did, too, going 6-2, and two, I believe it was, to get into that playing game. And then, I mean, they just kind of cruised past Memphis in that one. Uh, yeah, so it's... Yeah, I, w- I was hoping. You know, I'm with you. I was hoping for Phoenix. I don't know that Phoenix matched up as well with the Lakers as Portland does, but no. that would have been a fun story. Well, judging from last night's game, you can argue Portland doesn't match up all that well either. That is true. That was that was a that was a blowout uh, for the ages. I mean, Anthony Davis uh, 
and LeBron really stuck it to him in that one. And Damian Lillard didn't look so good, but just uh, 18 points and one assist in that game. So hopefully, is... hopefully the Blazers can bounce back. Yeah, and oh, it's 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 tough, especially with Lillard had the uh, dislocated finger last night, but the X-rays came back negative. Uh, we'll we'll see what that means to him moving forward. But uh, you know, the other interesting outcome from last night was the draft lottery that happened. Warriors end up picking number two with uh, with the Timberwolves number one. The Timberwolves have long been rumored to try to acquire Devin Booker to add him to D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. Those three are very good friends. Do you think the number one pick in a kind of weak draft does anything at all for Phoenix? Yeah, I think it uh, for Phoenix. Yeah, for in 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 an attempt to try and get Booker from them in trade. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's some. So so who are we looking at with the top three or four guys? Uh, so we've got we've got Anthony Edwards, Lamelo. We've got Lamelo Ball. We've got uh, James Wiseman. Denny, yep, James Wiseman and Denny Abdija. From Israel, right? Yep. Yeah, Kill- so I think there's 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 some pieces there that you know could could work uh, if if Phoenix was willing to move uh, Booker. Um, I don't know that anybody kind of gives a value back for Booker, who's really becoming a, in my opinion, a, a top ten or fifteen guy in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I don't know that the, the draft has the value to to give back for Booker at this point. But I think you're right. Um, if, yeah. I think you're right, I, and I don't think Minnesota has the young pieces to get it done either. You know, somebody like Jared Culver or Josh Kogi would be interesting, but they're not headliners in a deal for a superstar. Those guys are good, but they're you know they're they're still coming into their own. They're they're defensive guys at this point in their career. I mean, they've had some performances down the stretch in the regular season uh, this year, but like you said, they're they're not getting you 30 a night, and they probably never will. No, I wouldn't think so. I thought Culver was overdrafted out of Texas Tech, but uh, I will say if, uh, you know, we are both from the Philadelphia area, spent a lot of time there, and uh, I can't, I won't speak for you because it's not a popular thing right now, but I'm certainly a 76ers fan, and at the top of my wish list for head coaches this offseason would be Texas Tech's Chris Beard. Yeah, so... Brett Brown, unfortunately, you know, I, I hate to say this, and we we kind of say it every year. He's really he's got to go. Yeah. And we we put we put blame you know on the players unnecessarily sometimes. I'll give you an example. So so Alex Burks got 27 minutes off the bench in game one. The Sixers kept it relatively close in game one. Alex Burks plays I think 14 minutes in game two for reasons unbeknownst to me that. <laughs> Guys like uh, Raul Neto and Furkan Korkmaz come off the bench before before Burks. And in my opinion, Burks could even be in, uh, put into the starting lineup. There's there's some there's some places to play with the the lineup there. With you could potentially bring uh, Milton off the bench. Uh, I mean Horford is awful, so he yeah. needs to stay on the bench. I don't even I don't know what you do with Horford because I don't know who's going to want to take on that contract. Um, he seems to have uh, all the, the life sucked out of him after leaving Boston, um, which is great for the Sixers. Yes, wonderful. <laughs> you sign a big yeah. uh, big division rival, major free agent, and he's relegated to a $127 million backup center. That sounds about par for the course for Philadelphia at this point. Yeah, that's sad but true. Uh, yeah. you're, I agree with you about the Alec Burks thing. That was confusing. He played so well, and Brett doesn't seem to have any sort of idea of what he wants his rotation to be from one day to the next. You go from saying, oh, we're going to play nine guys, 
to, oh, we're going to play 11 guys. How will Neto suddenly the first guy off the bench now in front of a hot Alec Burks? I trust Shake Milton to start, but he's going to play, I don't know, 18 to 22 minutes. It, it feels like every summer we find reasons why Brett shouldn't be fired. And it's time to avoid that uh, that instinct this year and just let him go. I agree. I mean, Portland somehow figures out a way. They know their identity and they play with, you know, Zach Collins is now hurt, but they still have a six or seven man rotation because they know which guys are able to contribute off the bench. And that's, that's Gary Trent Jr. And that's eh, maybe Hassan Whiteside and some of Mario Azonia. But other than that, they're not bringing other guys off the bench because they can't play in the playoffs. So Brett Brown needs to figure his stuff out or the Sixers are going to get swept in this series. And what's crazy to me is they've had this just intense desire to add more stars rather than add more pieces that fit. They went on that that wild like 27-game winning streak a couple of years ago when they signed Bellinelli and Ilyasova after the, uh, the buyout deadline, and they never tried to recreate that. They never thought, oh, hey – Adding a bunch of knockdown shooters around a center who you know demands attention and a drive and kick point guard might be the way to go. Yeah. Instead, let's I go think... get Jimmy Butler. He shoots twenty eight percent from outside. Yep. And let's uh, let's let's get let's get Josh Richardson who shoots thirty four percent from three. Um, you're just you're getting rid of guys like I mean look look at Robert Covington's career after the Sixers. I mean he's a he's a guy now. He can, he can really he can really defend. He can really shoot. Um, he's really the, the the kind of the second piece when when Westbrook's out. So, and here's a guy that Sixers gave away for peanuts, pennies on the dollar. And, I will uh, say I loved Covington, but I I don't miss those out of control takes to the basket where he misses a layup by a foot and a half. Good point. That's not his game though. <laughs> but I hear you. Yeah, the the ability to guard anyone one from four and even some fives with how basketball is being played now is, is does make him unique much more so than look. I love Tobias Harris as a person. He's clearly a great person. He's great in the locker room, but at some point you have to be good on the court. And Tobias Harris is in that group with like Chris Middleton of guys who just shrink when the playoff lights come on. Agree. Uh, when 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 you need a bucket. You need a guy other than Joel Embiid to step up and get you a bucket. And I thought Tobias Harris was going to be that guy. I'm not so sure he is. He doesn't look comfortable uh, in a in a bucket getter role when you need one down the stretch. Well, tell me if you disagree with this, but I've always thought, having played a lot of basketball, you have guys who are comfortable being complimentary players and guys who aren't, guys who need the ball to succeed. And I think we find that when Tobias Harris or Josh Richardson has the ball a lot, they're more comfortable and they tend to play well. But I don't think either one of them really has a good feel for how to be a third or a fourth option in an offense. Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. I mean, the the number one option is Joel Embiid. Everything runs through him. And when when Richardson and Harris don't have the ball in their hands, they look kind of lost on offense. A lot of standing around in the corner. Not a lot of cutting. Agree. But that also could be on the coach, too. You know, you, you have to get your guys to run the system that you want them to run. And, you know, I don't know that they have a system at this point. But let's not spend all our time dwelling on the pain that is the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll get back to them in just a minute as they look to uh, 
fall down zero to three today against Boston. But let's uh let's do some playoff picks. I've got Bavada Sportsbook open in front of me, and uh, let's start with this game that's going to kick off in uh, about an hour and fifty minutes: the Toronto Raptors versus the Brooklyn Nets. Bavada has the Raptors minus eleven. How do you feel about this one? So I like so the the, the Nets got. If I remember correctly, the Nets got blown out in game one of the series. They didn't look so good. Then they came back game two, and they only lost by five. And in that game, Karis LeVert shot five of 22 from the field. I, I'm i going to go with the Nets uh, plus 11 in this one. I think that if Karis LeVert can put together a better performance um, and you've got, you've got some solid pieces uh, around him that have been really stepping up their game, like uh, Timotei, Luwalu, Cabrero. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, Jarrett, Jarrett Allen has been incredible for the Nets. I mean, the, the Raptors don't seem to have an answer for him. I realize that, that Joe Harris is going to be out of this game. He's an important piece uh, as well. But I think that the Nets have enough guys that can come off the bench. Uh, Tyler Johnson, Rodion's Kuroks, uh, Chris Chioza, guys like that who can give them enough that they may not win this game, but they can probably keep it close with, with a really solid performance from their superstar, Karis LeVert. Well, how do you feel about this roster as currently constructed when they actually get their superstars back next year in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? Because I don't, what does Spencer Dinwiddie do in that lineup? I don't see how he fits. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I actually forgot for a second that the Nets had both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So thanks <laughs> yeah. for reminding me. Yeah, no problem. Um, if it's any consolation, yeah, so, Kyrie's a loser. Yeah, so Kyrie's not a winner, but that's it, it, we're still going to have a very exciting Brooklyn Nets team to watch uh, next year. I agree. I don't know that Spencer Dinwiddie fits with uh, Kyrie and Karis LeVert. It seems like there's some overlap between positions there that uh, Dinwiddie and Kyrie both want the ball in their hands. I think LeVert uh, is a little bit better off the ball. Um, so I don't, I don't know that Dinwiddie fits, but uh, that that should be a really exciting team next season. Do you think it's at all odd that Kyrie had all of these problems being the second fiddle in Cleveland only to wind up signing with a team with, you know, another elite superstar in front of him? Yeah, it seems like he, he gravitates to those situations even though uh he he he, he says he kind of wants his own his own squad, but um yeah, so Nonetheless, uh, I'm looking forward to watching the Nets next season. I, I don't know that they're going to be, you know, in the running to to overcome the Celtics or the Bucks, but you know, they could they could slide in there as a as a top four seed next season. Well, let's hope not. Let's talk about maybe the most interesting young roster in basketball right now. That's the Denver Nuggets who take on the Utah Jazz today at one o'clock, uh, one o'clock Pacific time. And Bavada has the Nuggets minus one. What do we think about this game? So this this series has been has been interesting, right? So we've got a we've got a series tied up at one. Uh, the Jazz blew the Nuggets out of the water in Game Two. Uh, the Nuggets won in a close uh, overtime uh, win in Game One. Uh, for this game, you know the, the Jazz are getting uh, Mike Conley back uh, after missing some time due to the birth of his son. Um, you know, in a, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Denver here in a kind of a bounce back fashion. Um, Jamal Murray put on a heck of a performance in Game One. 
uh, and really, really kind of struggled to find his groove in game two. Um, I think that he's a, he's a key piece for this team. Um, obviously, obviously Jokic is, is kind of the, the centerpiece of this team. And uh, Michael Porter Jr. has really come on of late and he's been pretty incredible in the bubble. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Denver in, in a bounce back game in game three after they kind of got blown out in game two. Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly excited to see what this Denver team looks like in a couple of years because it seems to me that they're the team more than any other that has the pieces to trade for a superstar if they desire. Yeah, they've got some they've got some young talent there. If Absolutely. uh, uh, uh God. I was just gonna say that I mean Michael Porter Jr. could could be a could be a piece. Yeah. But but he he might also be someone that, that they could build around. I mean he seems to fit really nicely in that offense with with Murray and Jokic, what what I what I saw when Murray first came back uh, from his injury, though, in the seeding games, was that it became kind of a two man game between Murray and Jokic, and Porter Jr. looked kind of lost. But I think I think after playing a couple games together, he seems to have found his rhythm again, and that's I mean that's that's why I'm going with the Nuggets today. I think that the three of them are learning how to play as a trio. I know that Milwaukee kind of righted the ship yesterday against Orlando, but in a world where Milwaukee ends up losing in the first couple of rounds and Giannis starts to get frustrated, I don't know that any team could put a better package together than, say, like a Michael Porter Jr., Gary Harris, Bull Bull, and and some draft pick package that Denver could put together. And Giannis and Jokic, that's terrifying. Oh, that's that's better than LeBron and AD. I mean... (laughs) The, the the basketball IQ, uh, the physicality, the the passing ability. I mean, that would be absolutely insane. That'd be that'd be a team that I'd want to watch uh, night in and night out for sure. Also, can we talk about LeBron for a second? I give him all the credit in the world for being an ageless wonder and going at such a high level at such a an advanced age, but clearly colored the beard right it seemed like that beard was a lot more gray <laughs> as we got into the bubble and now it's uh, only shades of gray yeah the lights the lights came on and lebron you know wanted to get back to his uh his early 20s the lights came <laughs> on and the just for men came out there you go <laughs> uh well i don't want to talk about this one but i think we have to the Philadelphia 76ers play the Boston Celtics. It is technically a home game for the 76ers, which I guess is positive. Uh, and Bavada has the Celtics minus six. How do we feel about this? So I'm 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 off the Sixers now. I, yeah. I think I don't know that the Sixers can rebound from the the performance they put together in Game Two, uh, the, the poor performance they put together in Game Two. I don't trust Brett Brown to get back on track. Um, and while Embiid's been great. Uh, at times he looks he looks either gassed or disgruntled with how the rest of the team is performing. So I, I think the Sixers team is in shambles at least for this season. Um, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Celtics in this one. Although I'm you know I'm obviously a, a homer with the Sixers, but I just don't trust them at this point. Do you have any hope for this team moving forward? Because these contracts are really really bad. Uh, I do not. There needs to be. <laughs> So you need to build. You need to pick your superstar. I don't. I don't know that Simmons and Embiid fit, and uh, and obviously the contracts of Harris and Horford are monstrous. Um, so something needs to happen uh, 
with the Sixers, they need to shake up that roster and need to get a new coach and possibly a, a real GM that can that can make some of those tough decisions. Rather than just some guy who used to play for for the 76ers and when he was no longer good to, good enough to play for anybody else. I was a great I was I was an Elton Brand fan when he was in the league. He was a great player for the for the Bulls and the Clippers and I and you know he was okay for the Sixers towards the end of his career but but yeah no I I think it needs to be somebody with a with a basketball mind willing to make those tough decisions not just a guy who's going to you know work with what he's got. Yeah, I was uh, I was invited to a 76ers game because of uh, an organization I was working with and they they sent us up into a luxury suite and I remember the starting lineup was like Henry Sims, Elton Brand, uh the the guard who played for Houston for uh, for Utah for a while and now he's overseas. And it was just it was garbage basketball and uh, I, I just I don't understand why Elton got the job. I mean, I guess I do because he's there to be a figurehead and allow Josh Harris to have power and Brett Brown to have power. But it's a joke. They need to move on from basically everybody. I I don't know that I agree with you that you have to pick between Simmons and Embiid. I just think you have to put shooters at the other three positions and have an, uh, a secondary shot creator at guard, too. That's fair. I, I can go along with that. All right, this has been a fun series. Los Angeles Clippers, Dallas Mavericks, today, 6 o'clock Pacific time. Mavericks plus 5 at Pavada. So give me the Clippers in this one. And I'm a fan of picking the team that didn't really show up the game before in a series that, you know, is is relatively even. But, I mean, clearly the, the better team here is the Clippers. And after... You know, I think I think Paul George. Let's see, Paul George had a had a rough shooting night uh, on Wednesday, going four seventeen. So it was it was Kawhi Leonard really carrying the Clippers um, with with some uh, lemon pepper, Lou Williams off the bench. Um, so I'm 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 gonna roll with the Clippers here in, in a in, in a bounce back game. Uh, and they'll take a, a two one series lead, I believe, against the the Mavericks who. You know, uh, Doncic, Doncic can't do it all, so he's going to need some help from, obviously, from Porzingis. Um, but, but not many other guys on that team, you know, are capable of, of putting up uh, 20 plus. I mean, you got Tim Hardaway as well, but he, he's kind of been struggling a little bit. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the Clippers to bounce back in Game Three. Yeah, we're getting awfully close to Paul George joining uh, our good friend Tobias Harris and Chris Middleton on that all-playoff disappointment team. He se- he just seems like he's not a guy who shows up when the playoffs start. That's crazy, isn't it? It really. But, how but how got, are you that good and just not play well? Yeah, but you've got you've got Kawhi Leonard who who seems to who seems to thrive in these situations. He puts up. Uh, a, you know, casual 20 point games in the, in the regular season and comes to the playoffs. And, you know, all of a sudden his knee is perfectly fine. He plays yeah. like 38 <laughs> minutes, puts up 30 plus. I mean, he's an absolute machine, but, but you're right. They're going to need more from, from Paul George uh, in order to get over the hump. At the same time, the Clippers go very deep and have an incredibly well-rounded roster. If you look at, I mean, you've got Lou Williams and now Montrez Harrell kind of back in the spin of things, coming off the bench. I mean, that's that's a tough squad to compete with. So I'm 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 confident the Clippers take this series. I'm I'm relatively confident that they bounce back tonight. 
yeah, this is, it's been a fun series, even if the Porzingis thing was nonsense game one. Another fun series. Absolute nonsense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that first game, that uh, the first game in the series, incredible. The second game, good for a while, but I worry that the water has found its level here. Milwaukee, Orlando, uh, Milwaukee now favored by 12 points at Bavada tomorrow. Yeah, the the magic uh the magic got lucky I think in game one. Uh yeah, I'm I'm looking at it. Nikola Vucevic has been has been great for the magic. Um you know, this this game is is minus 12 for Milwaukee. I, I'm still going to I'm going to go with Milwaukee on this one. I, I think you know, the the stick is up with uh with the magic uh, taking any more games here and I think the the Bucks win this one in a in a blowout fashion. Uh, All right, game move, three. moving on to Indiana and Miami. Bavada has Miami minus five. So, so this series should be a little bit closer than it has been yeah. so far. So the the Heat, the Heat are up two zero. Um, I th- I think the Pacers have to get one. If the Pacers don't win this game today, they're down three zero. So I, you know I'm 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 gonna roll with the Pacers. Um, they've got they've got such a great starting lineup, especially with TJ Warren coming on in the bubble. Uh, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, uh, Victor Oladipo, both holidays in the lineup. I mean, they're, they've got, they've got guys that can really, really play. Um, but I mean, Duncan Robinson for the heat last game, he was on fire from downtown. Uh, so that was, that was hard to overcome for the Pacers, but I don't know that that happens again. So, so give me the Pacers in this one. Uh, yeah. Actually, outright. Would you wow. say the Heat were minus five? Yep, Heat minus five. So I'm, I'm going to take the I'm, I'm going to take the Pacers outright in this one. I'm going to be really interested to see what the ramifications are draft wise from uh, from watching this Miami Heat team play because for a long time, you know, we had we had the international players come into the league and they it was the big phenomenon. They got overdrafted constantly. Now we're seeing that, hey, a knockdown shooter like Duncan Robinson has a heck of a lot of value in an NBA starting lineup to space the court. Like, are some of these other guys in college who really are one-trick ponies but do that very well? Uh, A guy who comes to mind is Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, though I think he withdrew from the draft. I wonder if they're going to be overdrafted when we, uh, we finally get around to having the 2020 NBA draft in October. But is it overdrafted or is it smart? That's an interesting question, but I I tend to believe that Duncan Robinson is an anomaly more than the new trend. Yeah, put Duncan Robinson on the Sixers, and I I think you're looking at a you're looking at a really good Duncan Robinson, and then maybe another you know maybe a guy like uh, Bradley Beal. Sure. The Sixers are looking like a great lineup with a couple guys that can really put the ball in the basket uh, alongside Simmons and Embiid. Man, you've got a championship squad there. Yeah, if you just add one of the best guards in basketball and one of the best shooters in basketball to the lineup, it's it's a pretty good one. But I think you can say there that were, about most lineups. Yeah. There were rumors swirling at the beginning of the season that Bradley Beal was unhappy and that there were you know there were lots of trade rumors swirling. I think I heard the Sixers involved in a couple of those. But no, you're absolutely right. If you add Bradley Beal to any lineup, you're probably looking at a championship squad. Up next, Houston, Oklahoma City. This is the series that hurts me the worst. I so I mean, maybe even more so than the Sixers, who I've just given up on. I so desperately wanted Oklahoma City to win this series because it's such a fun story. They they gave away Chris Paul and gave the Thunder draft picks to take him, 
And it, for for Paul and the Thunder to come challenge them in the playoffs would have been great. It's just doesn't seem like it's going in that direction. And uh, Bavada's currently got the Rockets minus three and a half. Yeah. So is is Russell Westbrook still out for this game? Adam, that's a I great believe, question, and I have no I ability to is. look it up. I believe he is. So so let's let's roll with that. And so in game two, Chris Paul put together one of the worst performances of his career to date. He was a minus 36 in just a 13-point loss. There's no way Chris Paul doesn't come back and have a great game in this one. And I think that the Thunder get in the win column in game three and uh, just go down one game in the series. So it'll be 2-1 at that point. But I think I think the Rocket, I mean, I think the Thunder uh, take game three uh, and bounce back in this one with uh, Chris Paul leading the way. As of two days ago, there was no timetable for his return. Uh, as of a day ago, Mike D'Antoni said, who knows, when asked when Russell Westbrook will return. So my guess is doesn't play in game three, but you know. yeah. We'll see if that. And I'm going to be. I'm. I'm going to be honest. I. I think if the if the Rockets can keep winning without him, D'Antoni will continue to sit him until the next series. If they don't need him, why would you play him? As you should. I agree completely. Why risk that? I didn't understand why Embiid was in the game down 25 points in the fourth quarter. Same reason why Embiid comes out with uh, five minutes into the first quarter because Brett Brown is uh, stuck in his ways on his rotations while. Uh, Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker stay in for 12 minutes in the first quarter. Hey, there's an alternate reality we, where, where Jason Tatum and Michael Porter Jr. are 76ers, and that's the reality I I prefer to live in. I mean, we traded for we traded so much stuff for Markel Fultz, <laughs> and he's not even on the Sixers either. So, <laughs> well, hey, he could he be, got that first yeah. round pick for him. He's, we're, you're going to pick 21 in the draft this year because. <laughs> And maybe we'll get an international player like Duncan Robinson, right? Oh God. Um. Yeah. Let's that that Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum trade. You know the the whole story after the fact was, oh, Danny Ainge is so smart. He was going to take Jason Tatum at number one if they stayed there. I've always kind of called bullshit on that. What do you think happens if that trade never comes to fruition and Boston picks number one? Do they take Tatum or do they take the guy who was clearly the number one pick in Fultz? I think they take Fultz. There's no way that anybody could know that Markel Fultz was going to have the psychological issues he had in the NBA. Yeah. Now, I do believe that um, with some with some more in-depth scouting, we could have realized that Markel Fultz was not good uh, in the spotlight. I mean, he, he, he decided to play at Washington. At, he's from the D.C. area. I don't know what the reason why he played at Washington. Sure well, I think I think that. his mother may have played a part in that. He was pretty eager okay. to get away from that DC area. Okay, so I think I think he came to a he came to a fan base that you know is not very forgiving with players, that, especially the first overall pick that you know start start slowly. Uh, I don't know that Boston would have been any better for him, but um, he clearly had some issues early on. He's seeming to find a little bit of his groove with Orlando in a, in a much smaller market and with, with less pressure on him. I mean, Jason Tatum is, is obviously the superior talent there. Uh, but, but I agree with you. I, I don't know that Danny Ainge would have, if, with the number one pick, would have taken Jason Tatum with, with Fultz clearly in, in most scout eyes, the number one overall pick there. 
yeah, he was he was theoretically the perfect fit. He was going to be that that scorer in the half court who can get his own bucket. He was a guy who could score from all three levels. Was going to complement the other young stars, be on the same timetable, and uh, and he was great in summer league. Let's not forget that he was outstanding in summer league. Then he took that fall. Then maybe he took another fall. A lot of rumors that it was uh, he fell off of a bike or something like that. And uh, now he's in Orlando, traded for Jonathan Simmons. So not the traditional number one overall pick, but uh, it's nothing's traditional in Philadelphia, I guess. Is he better than Kwame Brown or Anthony Bennett? Uh, oh, he's better than Anthony Bennett. I would. I think Anthony Bennett has really reinvented himself. Can I tell you, like, this is how nerdy I am about this stuff. Anthony Bennett getting hurt and not getting a chance to play in the bubble with Houston was one of the things that really bummed me out going in. Because he played, <laughs> he played so well on, on their G League team. He expanded his range. He was shooting the three. It seemed like his dribble had gotten a little better. And and I just wanted to see what he became because I thought. I thought Anthony Bennett was a guy who, if he wasn't the first pick in the draft, he would be an NBA player right now. But because that expectation of being the number one pick was put on him, and that's the only lens people can view him from, like he never got the chance he probably should have if he was, say, the 23rd pick in the draft. Right. That's a good point. I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think, I think the same could be said for Markel Fultz, but he was too good yeah. in college. Uh, I, I was incredibly excited. Uh, my first year here in California, we went out to see the uh, the Cal-Washington game to watch Markel play. And also Matisse Thibel, who I didn't realize oh, yeah. I, I was watching uh, for four years <laughs> in the future. But uh, yeah, Washington was uh, – actually, Fultz had a pretty terrible game, which maybe should have been a precursor to what to expect moving forward. But – Still, you could tell like you can tell when a guy is different, and he was clearly different. But regardless, uh, can we let... can we go to Matisse? Can we go to Matisse Tybel for a second? Yeah. Does, does he have a place? Does a guy like that have a place in the NBA? A guy that can really only play defense? Well, I mean, he can only play defense right now. The question is, does that jump shot ever come along? The unfortunately for him, this isn't 1995, and you know, Tony Allen made a lot of money just playing defense. Guys like that had their place before. And he's, I mean, he's an athlete too, so he can run, but, oh God, that if, if he can't get himself up to the point where he is a 35% three-point shooter on three attempts a game, then he's probably a bench player for the rest of his life, is my guess. Yeah, um, I, I don't, he doesn't seem, when he takes that three-point shot, he's does to me at least, he doesn't look super confident in his, uh, in his chances of knocking it down, but. If he's going to have a place in this league, it's going to be because he has a three-point you know, three shot and can be in 3 and D kind of guy. But the thing you can say about Matisse is that he takes the shot when it's there. He doesn't pass it up, and I'll give him that because the confidence to actually take the shot, as we see with another player on the roster, is it's maybe the most important thing. You just have to shoot so that people have to guard you. You can't have two guys who the defense can just sit back and pack the lane. Right. Uh, we'll see, but that's a Matisse is a great pick at twenty. I uh, I can't be upset with that. If we could, yeah, no, add another Matisse Thibel level player at twenty one this year, then they've done something right. And ironically, the the guy who I <laughs> I went to see uh, I went to see uh, Stanford and Kansas play down at Stanford this year, and uh, well, Stanford obviously just looked wildly overclassed. I think Kansas is just coming off being the number one team in the country. They may have just lost that to Villanova. Go Wildcats. And 
I remember thinking like, oh, there's nobody on the Stanford team that can play. And now Tyrell Terry, their point guard, is an ascending draft prospect and seemingly one of the guys who could be an ideal fit for Philadelphia. And I mean, now that I'm saying all of this out loud, it does kind of feel like Markel Fultz all over again, where he just trusts the eye test that, yeah, that's not an NBA player. Well, at least not a high level player. Uh, so I'm having an interesting revelation as I talk. I, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm now off Tyrell Terry. There you go. Yeah, well, you, you live, you learn. Uh, let's talk about our last game. Los Angeles Lakers, Portland Trail Blazers. Bavada's got the Blazers plus seven and a half after the beatdown last night. Can they answer back in game three? I'm going to say no. And I think, yeah, I looked at a couple stats here. Uh, in, in game one, the, the Lakers, uh, they lost by seven, and they shot 16% from three, five of 32 from downtown. Yikes. And they still only lost by seven. So, so <laughs> I mean, the Trailblazers have to play flawless, flawless basketball to be able to even run with this Lakers team. I, I think it's it's too much. It's too much. Anthony Davis, uh, Kyle Kuzma's been putting the ball in the basket. Yeah. Uh, I I, I want to think that LeBron wants to get out of uh, round one playing as few games as possible to save himself up for the remainder of the playoffs. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Lakers here. I think it's gonna be another uh, another big deficit uh, loss for the Trailblazers in Game Three. So Blazers end up just sneaking into the playoffs and now potentially losing in five or six. At what point do we have to consider moving on from? Let's assume it's C.J. McCollum because Damian Lillard is a god in Portland. Yeah. So it's interesting uh, when when Damian Lillard. You know, so I, I dabble with a little daily fantasy, uh, so I know some of these uh, some of these uh, things. So when Damian Lillard has a a great game, CJ McCollum doesn't have such a great game. So they right. they don't necessarily complement each other very well. Um, so I think I think you're right. I think it's Damian Lillard's team. I think Damian Lillard and Yusuf Nurkic work really well together. Uh, I mean, Nur- Nurkic is he's really like a a, a baby Nikola Jokic at this point. He's He's everything you'd want in a big man. He can even shoot, step out and shoot the three. Um, so I think I think it's it's McCollum who needs to, you know, who could be on the way out there. Um, they need to get they need to get deeper. I mean, they only run a, a seven man rotation. Uh, I'm not sure that that Hassan Whiteside. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy because Hassan Whiteside was putting up ridiculous numbers in the regular season prior to the the, shut, the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Yusuf Nurkic comes back, and Hassan Whiteside is relegated to a ten to fifteen minute roll off the bench. Right. So I don't. I don't know that that Terry Stotts thinks he's a guy either. So no. I think you're building around Lillard and Nurkic. Uh, you know how long Melo can play for is anyone's guess, but he he's, he's been getting buckets, so uh, he could still put the ball in the basket. But I think that that they need a probably some new pieces, and and McCollum might be out the door. Well, it brought this up after game one uh, of that Milwaukee-Orlando series as well, because, you know, when when a star gets traded, very rarely do they get traded for a player of the quality of themselves. And uh, would would a C.J. McCollum be an interesting piece in sort of like a Kawhi for DeMar DeRozan kind of deal if Giannis were to uh, demand a trade from Milwaukee? So you want you put McCollum in Milwaukee? Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's so let's say let's say McCollum is the biggest piece back in a trade for Antetokounmpo. So you're putting Giannis in Portland. That would be crazy. 
<laughs> that might even that might even be better than uh, uh, Giannis in Denver. Well, I mean, there's that, no third player in Portland is the one thing. I don't know because Nurkic is not as clean a fit with Giannis at the four. Yeah, no, I think I think I think you're getting you're getting a lot of a lot of talent back if you're if you're the Bucks. Um, you're you're then you're then pretty top heavy in the backcourt with uh, with Bledsoe, McCollum, and Middleton, who you could really call a, a you know shooting guard slash small forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably if you're if you're Milwaukee, you know if if you get rid of Giannis, you you need to beef up the front court, I would think a little bit. So I, you know, if I'm Milwaukee, I'd rather have Michael Porter Jr. I think than T.J. McCollum. How about if we add Zach Collins and Anthony Simons to the trade? I love Zach Collins. I do too. I, I think he I think he's a great player. Um, so I think that sweetens the deal for me if I'm Milwaukee. If I'm if I'm able to get. Uh, Zach Collins and a, a, a very young, uh, good scorer with Anthony, and Anthony Simons as well. All right. Well, that is, that's all our playoff games. Adam, why don't you tell us what you got going on over at Fantasy Pros? Yeah. So, uh, so I'm a, uh, I'm a, a correspondent and a, uh, and a featured writer over at Fantasy Pros. I do some, uh, some breaking news, some injury news, some, um, what's going on uh, for NFL training camp. Um, been working some uh, NBA game recaps as well as doing some long form writing uh, for uh, Daily Fantasy for a, a DraftKings article I run every every Sunday. So you can find some of my stuff uh, over there at Fantasy Pros. Um, yeah, awesome. that's, that's about it. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, I know you were a little bit concerned coming into this. I think maybe this is your first your first podcast. Is that right? That is right. This is my Adam, first podcast. So, you did yeah. a great job. You did, Thanks, you did outstanding, my friend. Awesome. Uh, so Thanks. That's going to be this week's episode of The Underdog for my uh, my guest this week, Adam Koffler from Fantasy Pros. Check out his work over there. I'm Chris Horwardell. This has been The Underdog. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.